time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. How's everybody doing tonight? Come on, we are so thankful what God is doing here at DSM. How many of you are so glad just to be a part of what God's doing here? So, so thankful for you guys. Thankful to Jesus. Hey, um, so tonight we're obviously starting a new series. Everybody shout it out at me what it is. Say I want, and you can't just, you can't just, you know, say, uh, oh, say I will not. So, so I'm going to need a little bit, I'm going to need a little bit of, you know, in you. Okay, so one more time. The name of this series is one, two, three. Say I won't. And of course the idea, the, of course the idea is based on how many of you, how many of you know and love Lecrae, incredible artist, incredible artist, and one of the tracks on his new album kind of really, really brings home this idea. But as we were thinking and praying as a staff, uh, talking about what 2015 was going to look like, this, this is one of the topics that we wanted to cover. And so you'll kind of see how this whole thing kind of unravels. But again, shout out the name of the series, one, two, three. All right, so the whole idea is if somebody just came up to you and was just kind of opposing you, saying whatever, doing, and, 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 and kind of just out of your heart just comes this thing like, I, like say I won't, okay? And you so you got to kind of cap your head a little bit to the side, and it's like, I, and it's almost like I want you to dare me to do or say or whatever, something just so outlandish, so crazy. And, and as we're praying and thinking about 2015 and what God has for you guys this year, I think that sometimes we, we, we can think of ourselves whenever it comes to Satan and our great enemy and our foe, and we can almost take this kind of defensive posture like, oh man, the devil's just doing so many crazy things, let me run. And I just really feel in my spirit this year that God is raising up ones in this youth ministry who will look the devil right in his eyes and say, say I won't. Say I won't dare to believe everything that God has to say about me, my family, my school, my city, and ultimately my generation. Say I won't walk in great and bold faith this year. Say I won't walk in purity that absolutely denies what the statistics and what the lives of the enemy for or say concerning my generation. Say I won't forgive people who hurt me. Say I won't show the love of God even whenever it's hard and whenever it's difficult. Say I won't. And, and so it's this kind of, so I want you to feel the strength that the Holy Spirit kind of gave this to me. And so this whole idea, we'll, we'll talk about it. But, but firstly, I want you to kind of hear this, hear this track a little bit. So I'm going to call it, here's a say I won't moment. Is Caden Riles here right now? Is Caden, Caden, are you here tonight? Caden, make some noise. Okay, great. Hey, y'all give a hand to Caden as he comes real quick. You don't even know when I'm, oh yeah, that is you. So this is Caden. Yeah, I haven't talked to Caden before, so he's probably like, what are you going to have to do? Okay, I want you to drop that track real quick, Sean. And Caden, we're going to have a sad one moment. Caden, I bet you won't show off your mad dancing skills in front of all of DSM. Say I won't. I'm telling you, you won't. Drop the track, Sean. Uh, say I won't. 
Why y'all scared to be different? Uh, say I won't. Why y'all scared to be different? Uh, say I won't. We them outsiders, that's just how we live it. Uh, say I won't. And I bet I will. You can say, say I won't. won't. Wanna serve these bars, got CID. Now I'm on a radar where beat I be. Was a slave for the cars, then we got free. Used to only wanna pull up in a black sport. Just a white man excelling in a black sport. Now I'm really doing pull-ups. Got a honeymoon for the summer, trying to get a six-pack foot. Say I won't catch Craig slipping in the studio with like 3 a.m. Autograph that forehead with a Sharpie pen and then Instagram. Y'all give it up for Kaden. I love you, man. Thank you. <laughs> See, some of y'all were a little worried for a second there, right? This little white Colorado boy is <laughs> from the north side. <laughs> so, so, so say I won't. So these moments, these moments where faith arises in your heart, where I am calling you all throughout this year to look for moments where the Holy Spirit just rises up in you and you possess this this say I won't kind of attitude where you believe God, where you dare to believe God, where you step out in bold faith and you demonstrate the power of God, you demonstrate the nature and the character of who God is. Can I get an amen? All right, so I want us to go straight to the scripture tonight, Hebrews chapter 11, and let's start at verse 1. I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation, Hebrews chapter 11, uh, starting at verse 1 says this, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in the days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command and that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. It was by faith that Abel, everybody say Abel, it was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain, which his brother did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. That was by faith that Enoch, everybody say Enoch. Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. Verse 6 says this, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that God rewards those who sincerely seek him. And finally, verse 7, it was by faith that Noah, everybody say Noah, built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. I want you to bow your heads with me real quick. Father, I thank you for faith, God, that moves mountains to be imparted 
God, we don't want to just talk about great faith. We want to walk in and live out great faith as men and women of God. I ask tonight, Holy Spirit, that you would come, that you would speak through the written word of God, which is powerful tonight, and change us forever. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. 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 Hey, does any, has anybody ever noticed how more often than not, we are all drawn towards people who do extraordinary things, right? We all have, we all, uh, we all have heroes. We all have people whom we admire because they've done, and most of the time it's not just kind of losers who, who, who are just kind of status quo or average. Most of the time these are people who have exercised or demonstrated in, un, under insurmountable odds, great and bold faith. There was a great movie that recently came out, maybe some of you saw it about, I think it's Louis Zancanelli, I don't know if I pronounced that right. What's the name of the movie? How many of you saw Unbroken? So all of us, so I mean just rave reviews, so many of us rushed, so many of us rushed to the movie theater to see this, some of us read the books, whatever, um, and so, and just saw this man who, who demonstrated so much grit, so much faith, so much determination, so much perseverance that many of us would have just kind of fallen to pieces midway through. He, there was a draw about him. There was something magnetic about him because he just kept persevering whenever most would have given up. I'm just trying to say that most of us are drawn to people who demonstrate great faith. And these people, it seems like they possess something from another world. Some call it grit. Some call it just tenacity. I'm going to call it for the sake of this series, kind of like this say I won't thing on the inside of them, where they sink their teeth into something and they will not let go until they get what they want, until they accomplish that which they have seen themselves do before it comes to pass in the natural. I'm just going to call it this, this say I won't thing on the inside of us. And here in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, the author of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, takes a moment, takes an entire chapter and goes through men and women of God from Genesis all the way to the current. And he just kind of highlights different parts in their lives. He gives us examples to live by because the writer of Hebrews is calling us to live in the same spirit, the same level, the same quality of faith that they had and so much more. And so, so, so the writer of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews is writing to Jewish Christians who are in the midst of persecution. I mean, you think your life is hard. Ain't nobody throwing spears and rocks at your head because you are saying the name of Jesus Christ. Nobody's trying to kill you on the everyday basis, so much so to where you have to run and hide and not go home and take secret paths home. This is the context that the Jewish believers were living whenever the writer of Hebrews says, okay, now I'm going to call you to another level. I mean, can you imagine receiving a letter like this? And these people are like, we're, we're giving everything for this. What do you mean walking greater levels of faith? They tried to kill me yesterday. What are you talking about? You know what I'm saying? And, and the writer of Hebrews says, it's okay. I, I know, I know, I know. But let me encourage you with this. And then, and then he begins to remind them of their spiritual DNA. He begins to remind them of those who have come 
before them. And he says, I want you to, whenever it gets hard, I want you to think back to, and then he names some specific people throughout. And so over this series, over the next several weeks, five weeks or so, we're going to take four weeks where we're going to preach and we're going to go through this and look at all these different people and the qualities that they lived under. Because look, don't, don't tell me you, 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 you know, you love Jesus so much and you know, you, no, 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 you're, you I will, Jesus will know whether or not you really, when, whether or not you really love him whenever things get difficult, whenever it becomes unpopular, whenever you're outside of these four walls and nobody else is taking a stand for Jesus Christ, but you stand there because you have something on the inside of you from a whole nother world called this say I won't thing on the inside of you to where even if you have to stand alone and there will be times when you will, that you would stand, that your faith would not that you would not cower or buckle in the temptation to compromise, in the temptation to look like the rest of the world, in the temptation to give in and say, well, it's no big deal, or whenever you have to say, that there will be something on the inside of you to say, no, I loved him with all of my heart. I loved him yesterday, I loved him last week, and I'll still be loving him 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now. So I want you to feel the strength of this word that God wants to put on the inside of your heart. Because I believe at the end of this series, DSM will look quite differently. I believe at the end of this series, your spiritual, your spiritual walk will look quite differently. And so sometimes whenever I'm preaching, I'm preaching specifically towards those of you who are just kind of coming in and, and maybe newer and, and just trying to get you to Jesus. And then sometimes whenever we preach on different topics, I'm talking to those of you who have named the name of Christ. I'm saying do something about it. I'm saying take radical and bold stances for the name of Jesus Christ and the cause of the cross that you have never done before. The world is waiting according to Romans. The Bible says that all creation is waiting and groaning for the sons of God to take bold stances for the kingdom of God. Your generation is waiting for you to say something. Your generation is waiting for you to rise up with the strength of this word of God to where you would stand there with your teeth locked together and say, say I won't pray for the sick in the middle of this cafeteria room and see the power of God break out right here, right now. Oh, I know for some of you like, that's, that's okay. We're just going to give you time. Uh, but other, other ones of you, you know who you, you need to be doing this stuff. I'm saying bold stanzas for Christ. I'm saying going after people at your school that nobody else even would dare to talk to. Where you go with your knees a little shaken together because you have this say I, say I won't. Go and talk to that guy that nobody else likes. The one who was mean to me. Say I won't pray for this teacher who just gave me. And I know I studied for that test. And, I, and it was back. Say I won't pray for him or her in a very bold and audacious and authentic way. And still show them the love of God. Say I won't pray for this crazy coach who just keeps riding me like nobody else. Say I won't show the kind love and favor and grace of God to them in a very intentional way. Say I won't! That's what I'm talking about tonight. Y'all feel me tonight? Yeah. And so, 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 so Hebrews, so Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, the writer is calling us 
calling us to this place. And, and it's interesting. Well, again, here, let's go to Hebrews chapter 3, because i got to give you the, the whole purpose, I believe. It's kind of summarized in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. It says, be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. And again, remember, the author is talking to people who are, are running for their lives. I mean, in the midst of persecution. And I'm not just talking about cute persecution. I'm, ta- I'm talking about be- being crucified on crosses upside down. I'm talking about being beat to a pulp, okay, within an inch of their lives. I'm talking about being, and so, so be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, and make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it's still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. Deceived by sin and hardened against God. These are two primary ways that the enemy would love to lure you away from the plans and purposes of God for your life. Deception via sin or your heart hardened toward God for whatever reason. You fill in the blank. So the first one is a temptation to sin, anything that God has called you not to do and you willingly jump into. Or a certain, the second one is more dangerous because it deals with the affections of one's heart. So I can still go through the, um, through the motions of serving the Lord and my heart is growing harder and harder and harder with each week that passes on. So I'm saying, what am I saying? Don't give yourself a free pass. I really need you to examine your heart tonight, BSM. I really need for you, I would highly encourage you to examine your heart before the Lord as we go through this series. Don't give yourself a free pass. I don't care how long you've been speaking in tongues, worshiping and doing anything else. Don't give yourself a free pass. Let the Holy Spirit examine your heart and let's make sure our heart is not growing hardened towards God or the things of God. Amen? Amen. All right, so, so here we go. So here we go. For the author of Hebrews, the Christian life cannot be lived apart from faith. Because he says in Hebrews 11, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So this is a big deal. We need to pay, give a little bit of attention to where, where, where is your faith. And, and let's be really clear. I'm not talking about a belief system because the author of Hebrews, for him, it would seem that faith was so much more than an intellectual capacity or acquaintance with the uncreated God. For the author of Hebrews, it was one, whenever he calls someone faithful, it was those who had done what we would call radical, extreme, obedient things to God that are countercultural, that the, that the majority is not even doing. I'm just saying, for the author of, of Hebrews, he's like, hashtag sorry, not sorry. Uh, so, so, so for him, faith goes so much deeper. See, for this writer, he is teaching us some principles by giving practical examples to follow. Because for the writer of Hebrews, the life of faith is a life of action. Everybody say action. See, the one who is faithful is the one who responds to the, de- to the devil by saying, say I won't. Action defined means something done. <laughs> That's real deep, huh? You, usually as opposed to something said. And so what I'm saying in this series is put your money where your mouth is. I'm saying when was the last time you took a bull stance for Jesus Christ? 
that require the power of the Holy Spirit for you to do it. Something inconvenient. Something abnormal. Something countercultural. Something that everybody else isn't just going to just praise you for. Oh, you're so cute, aren't you? Examine your hearts. See, you know what I love is examples, right? And so I've always been a little bit, a little bit strong in, in, in math, even from like elementary school. But one thing that always made it easy for me, easier, were, were examples, you know? So like three minus two, you know, as like a really, really young person, it's like three minus two. But if you say, okay, I'm going to give you three apples, Brandon, and, and, uh, and, and I take two. I'm like, oh, I just got one apple. I want the rest of my apple. Give me those other two apples. Three minus two is one. I got three apples. You took two apples. I got one apple left, and I ain't happy about it, right? And so, so most of us, most of us learn well, most of us learn better by, by examples. And so Hebrews 11, I'm so glad God gives us examples to model and to pattern our lives after. So tonight... We're going to look at three simple examples. We're going to pull three simple principles from those three examples, three people in this whole say I won't kind of hall of fame in Hebrews chapter 11. And so our story starts, our first example is Abel. Everybody say again, shout it out, Abel. All right, Abel's story is found in Genesis 4. Those of you who are super wise and awesome who are taking notes, you'll want to jot that down. Genesis chapter 4. Okay, so, so what is so great about what, what, what Abel did, right? What's so great about what has caused Abel to be included in this, in this say I won't lineup for the author of Hebrews? Keep in mind, his parents have been passed over. You know, whenever, whenever the writer of Hebrews started to start, he went right over Cain, I mean, right over Adam, Right over Eve, Lord, yes, definitely over Cain, killing people. And, then, and so then he lands on, okay, the first person he gives is, 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 is Abel, all right? And so what's interesting, whenever he tries to go as far back as he can, he starts with Abel. Abel, now you have to understand this, that after the fall, after the fall, whenever Cain and, uh, whenever, whenever Adam and Eve sinned, called the fall, after this, God had to be worshipped by way of, of sacrifice. It was a way of worship which carries in it a confession of sin and the, and the, the, the debt and the deserting of sin and a profession of faith saying, okay, now worship is, worship is no longer like whenever Adam and Eve were walking around and they were just worshiping. No, no, no. From, from the fall forward, it, it had to be, a sacrifice had to be had to be brought. And in the sacrifice, it screamed, I am a sinner, and, and now I'm atoning for my sin, and now I'm putting my faith in you, God, and I need forgiveness of sin. Okay, and so, so worship was, was a very big deal. And so the whole idea of the sacrifice is that I, I need to be ransomed. And so from the beginning, there's been a remarkable difference between worshipers. Be, because in Cain and Abel, here were two per- people, two persons, both of whom went to worship God, but of which there was a vast difference. And for some of us who know the story, obviously Cain went and grabbed from the fruit of his, uh, uh, went and grabbed uh, sacrifices that were offered to God that were not pleasing, but Abel offered the sacrifice that was pleasing to the Lord. And the Lord says, 
Abel, I, I've received your sacrifice. Cain, I do. That's not, that's, not what I, that's not what I require. And so the writer of Hebrews says, okay, you, you want to know, you want to know what I'm talking about. You, know, you want to know what God is requiring. You want to know what God is looking for in, in your life, in your heart, is the type of faith that worships God on his terms, not ours. So step number one, worshiping God on his terms. So, so Abel was, a, was a, a worshiper. If you are going to be a say or I say I won't, man or woman of God, the first essential is worship, to worship him on his own terms. And the way in which God has required us to worship carries with it a sacrifice the same as at the beginning of time in the same spirit. Romans 12 says that, that, that I would beg of you brothers, I would beg of you brothers and that you present your bodies to God, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord. This is your reasonable act of, of worship. This is your spiritual act of service to the Lord. And so how's your worship life? And I'm not talking like how quickly you move whenever the music starts playing. But what does surrender look like in your personal lives? It's okay if we go just a little bit deeper tonight. What does worship really look like? I'm not interested in how much, the quantity of how you worship whenever you're at church. What does your personal worship time look like? Or is it non-existent? I would beg of you. Right here, beginning 2015, that you would mark out a time on your calendar, on your day, every single day in your schedule, where you, where you worship God. Because trust me, you want to be like Abel whenever it comes to worship. You don't, because someone, well, it's inconvenient. I really don't have, I don't have time. Okay, Cain. Okay, Cain. And, and but God says, but I want to call you. See, it's your, it's your destiny to be like Abel. To bring me that which is, which is pleasurable, which brings me glory, which honors me. Because what is worship? Worship releases the hand of God's blessing on and in your life to a greater degree. Do you understand this? Do you know this? Whenever we worship God, it brings him such pleasure, such delight. You can never, you can never outbless him. You can never outgive him, for he is a giver at the very core of who he is. So whenever you come before him and you bring that which is pleasing for no other reason than he is perfect, he is kind, he is love, epitomized, then it releases the blessings of God on your life. It releases great faith in your heart. So some of you have been struggling with, well, I just can't believe, I just, I don't know what, what, how's your personal worship? When was the last time you, what was the last time you offered to God something that cost you something? It's like one of my favorite songs, Desperation Album, I will not give, I will not give, I will not give what costs me nothing. Obviously the words of David, whenever he says, I won't offer to God that which costs me nothing. I'll always give him something that is a sacrifice to me. When was the last time you sacrificially worshipped? So step number one, you guys, we've got to worship God on his terms, not ours, not ours. Amen?
Person number two, I want you to yell out for me, Enoch. Enoch, some of us are unfamiliar with Enoch, but Enoch, the story of Enoch, who Enoch was is so powerful. It's found in Genesis chapter 5, so write that down. Genesis chapter 5 and around verses 22 and 23, we don't have time to go into it, but the Bible says that Enoch, this is, this is incredible. I remember kind of reading this early, early on, I was probably around 15, 14 years old, whenever I was reading the story of Enoch in Genesis, and it is crazy, okay, because we're going through the lineage of, of, of Adam and, and Eve and, and going through in Genesis and it says, you know, this person was born and, and they lived and then they lived X amount of times and they died. And then it says the next person, Lamech, lived and then he lived again 35 years and then he died, you know, 600 and however many years. And then he, and then he lived and then lived and he died. And it's this whole pattern. You just go back and read it. In Genesis chapter 5, live, live, die. That's the formula. Live, live, die. Carson was 10. Carson lived 57,000 more years and then Carson died. Or, you know what I'm saying? And then it was a Courtney was Courtney lived nine years, and then Courtney lived 78 more years, and then Courtney died. And then he goes, Enoch lived, he was, and one translation says, he just was not, for God took him. And, and then it just kind of casually just goes on as Moses is writing in the Pentateuch, and then he just goes to, and it's like, say what? Huh? And then so you go back, and so he says, for Enoch lived, and then Enoch walked with God. And Enoch was, and so you have this picture where Enoch was, Enoch lived, Enoch walked with God, and Enoch was not, because God took and has this picture of Enoch just, just walking around casually. If here is earth and up there is paradise, heaven, Abraham's bosom, whatever it was in the Old Testament. And then it says, Enoch was walking. Enoch walked, walked with God. Enoch just kept walking, just walked, and, and walked right into the presence of God. And stepped right into eternity. Oh, it's beautiful. And so what's interesting is the second person, the writer of Hebrews, you remember in this whole say I won't kind of MVP, you know, smash up, line up, whatever. And, and he says, so Enoch is the next person. And, and, and this is what is, what is interesting. The, the close-knit friendship and relationship with God that Enoch had was so obvious. And I'm just asking you, who is it obvious to that you walk with? anybody know about it? Have you gone public with your personal faith in Jesus? Who knows about it? Who knows about your walk with Jesus? It was so obvious. But, but, but here's the trip. That ain't even the trip. Here's the trip. He was in the vast minority, borderline, the only one. It's beautiful about Enoch. So don't tell me about how dark your school is or how dark you're at. Talk to Enoch about it, and he's got some encouraging words for you. He was the only one in his generation, arguably. And he was still without excuse because he had this close-knit relationship with God. He had found something in God that, that he had not found in anyone or anything else on the face of the planet. That's where Enoch was in his walk with God. And he became so consumed with God that God just said, 
I, can, I just gotta have, I, I'm just gonna take you. Just come. Just, you didn't even die. You just, just come. I just gotta have you with me, Enoch, because you honor me so much. And you have so much respect for me. And you love me. And I, I just got to have, so come now. Woo, Enoch, get, just in the whole thing. The games, oh, I don't even care. You got great things. Just come. Get in the, come with me, Enoch. I must, I've got to have more of you in my presence. See, it's one thing for us to desire the presence of God. It's another thing for God to say, I need you in my presence. I want your presence. Come on, somebody. And so Enoch, Enoch was, if you're going to praise God, go down and clap. Come on. And so, 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 but here's the thing. It was whenever it wasn't cool, wasn't hip, it wasn't trendy, it wasn't in vogue. It, it, it was, it, it was his expression of love for God. He had an all-consuming desire for God, for the things of God, for the presence of God. And this is what it, this is what it says. Verse 5 says, for he pleased God. Guys, I'm just asking, are you living in a way that brings pleasure to God? Yes, God loves us all. I'm not talking about working to earn his love. It's one thing for God to love you. It's another thing for him to find great pleasure and delight in you. And I want to live my life in such a way that I bring pleasure to his heart. That he would take delight in me. Don't you want to live that way? Oh, enough with this half-hearted living for Jesus. Enough with this two, two moments away from backsliding into the the grip of sin and temptation. Enough with that. Enough with running and retreating from the enemy. Enough is enough. It is time for some of us to look the devil in his face and say, say I won't walk in the most radical and bold faith for Jesus Christ in his strength and not my own than I ever have in my entire life. Say I won't. Say I won't. Say I won't. See, see, some of you, this is whoop, right over your heads. But then I believe if, if, if about 20 or 30 of you would allow this word to go deep in your heart. And, and, and can you imagine if we actually like live this way? Like what, 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 would, what would school look like? What would your life at home look like? Say I won't. Stop talking crazy and just mouthing off to my parent. Say I won't respond in a loving way to my siblings. Say I won't whenever my younger sibling is working me over. Say I won't show such compassion and grace and kindness to them. Say I won't. Say I won't dare to believe God for my unbelieving parents and siblings to come into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ this year. Say I won't start prophesying. Say I won't start praying over my home whenever nobody is there releasing the presence of God to be transformative in their lives. Say I won't wake up early. Say I won't go to my school and prayer walk over the campus. 
and just ask God for revival. Say, I won't, devil. Say, I won't. This is what I'm talking about tonight, you guys. This is what we're going to be talking about in the next weeks. So step number two, what am I saying? I'm saying you've got to be a living, breathing contradiction to the current culture. Say I won't be a living, breathing, walking, talking, moving contradiction to my current culture. Say I won't stop laughing whenever somebody tells a dirty joke. Oh, oh, say I won't call out my brothers and sisters in Christ whenever they're just doing crazy things. And I know they're probably going to be upset with me, but say I won't love them enough to lovingly confront them and say, hey, aren't we in this thing together for real? Say I won't. Say I won't. That's the second person. You know, it's crazy. I was at the, was at the gym last night. And I met a student who goes to a local high school here. And just, it was amazing because he said, you know, I had lots of interaction with them over the last several months. And, and just like cursing like a sailor and just, so I'm thinking just non-believing. I mean, maybe not. And so then they say, yeah, I'm a part of this you know, youth thing, and, and I said, oh, God, help me, what, huh? And so they just said, and so they just say, yeah, I go every single week, and I'm just, and I'm thinking, oh, dear God, like, who, I, and you, uh, I, I was just, I'm always at a loss for, because I'm just like, okay, so you're naming the name of Christ, you're part of this youth thing that meets every single week, and you've been going, and this Bible studies there, but you, and you, this, this is what comes out of your mouth, like, that's, that's supposed to be holy, that's supposed to be pure, that's your, you sound like the world. I ju- we we've got to be different. Did you do we miss that part? Like, what, I don't. When did it become cool to like curse and do? When, when when did that become acceptable in the body of Christ? Come on, somebody help me understand this. Colorado, wherever that's a, it's, it doesn't line up with Bible. Okay, the Bible says, "Can water and vinegar come out of the same pot?" No, no, no. Emphatically, no. So call us extreme or what? It, I'm just this. I, it's not my word. So we've got to live as a walking, breathing contradiction to the culture. Amen? I didn't, I'm I'm just. So finally, the third, the third person, his name is Noah. Everybody shout out Noah. Noah, by faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved. Listen to this moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is according to to faith. So Noah's story found in Genesis chapter 6, Genesis 6, 5 through 9. And so just to summarize this, God told, it had never rained before. It never rained before. It never rained. It had literally never rained. But a word of God comes to Noah and says, build an ark. And, and Noah didn't say, well, I'm going to just take, some, you know, several years to cut. This really doesn't make sense. I don't know. God, but it's never rained before. I mean, really, God. No! The Bible says that Mo- Noah was moved with godly fear. Almost instantaneous in his obedience Why? Because he had believed God. There was something in Noah, and he was not perfect, 
But, but it's interesting to me because the writer of Hebrews, we know that, he, that, that, that Noah had some issues along the way. Abel was not perfect. And so what that tells me, thank God, because I've had some issues along the way. And I am not perfect. And you are not perfect. Perfection is not what I am calling you to. I am calling you to a place of bold faith where either, even whenever you mess up and you slip up, that you get back up again and say, God, what are you saying? Okay, that's what I'm going to live out. And that's what I'm going to fulfill. And that's what I'm going to do. But it's interesting because he doesn't even bring up all that junk because all that really matters in the echoes, in the hallways of eternity, is how obedient you were to the things that God had called you to obey over the long haul. So it's the obedience that pleases God, that brings pleasure and delight to him. Because remember, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So Noah moved with godly fear. Didn't respond by saying, well, God never rained before. I don't really know if I believe. No! He started building an ark, and he was willing to look foolish to the one that he loved. And so, so with Noah, Genesis 6, 5 through 9 is where the Bible says that he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And he walked with God. And listen to what the writer, writer calls him, perfect in his generation. So again, Noah didn't exactly fit in, but was it better to fit in or to be different? Everybody else who fit in died. So let me help you with this answer, okay? So you can fit in if you want to. Uh, <laughs> so the, the same principle holds true today. See, we can fit in, but if, 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 if we do that, we'll quickly discover that fitting in leads to, to, to nowhere but unnecessary pain and ultimately judgment and ultimately just lots of bad things along the way. And so it's not to scare you. I just, I mean, it's just it's with the Bible. It's just the truth. And so, so we can, you know, have your pick, choose. Okay, just choose wisely. And so, but here's what it says. Noah was moved with godly fear. And so we have two things primarily that move us. The opinion of God or the opinion of men. If you care about the opinion of men greatly, you will, to a very small degree, care about the opinion of God. So therefore, the remedy to being controlled by what people think about you is to get lost in what God thinks about you. It's the remedy to the fear of man, the fear of the Lord, having this understanding that God thinks thoughts about me. And what does he, what does he think about me? Yes, he sees you in Christ. You're his beloved. You are, we can, I can take you off. Psalm, read Psalm 139 if you need some encouragement. He sees you. He knew you before you were in your mother's womb. He knew you. He knows the number of hair on your head. And he also knows the level and the degree of obedience that you're walking in. So let me just help you out with that. He knows and he sees all. That's how to, that's how to put fear. But we've got to speak the truth. We've got to preach the whole counsel of God's word. Amen. I've got to pre- I'm going to give an account. Do you understand that? I'm going to stand before God and give an account for the word that I preached to you. So I'm not here just to make you feel good and happy and tell you how much God loves you. Of course he loves you. He absolutely adores you. But he cares about the way that you are living your life when nobody else is around outside of these four walls. Can you handle that tonight? I love you. God loves you more. But he sees you. And he wants you to live your life in a way that brings him pleasure and delight. This is the best way to live your life. Amen. Amen. The final point. The final, the final point here tonight as the worship team makes their way to the stage. We have about 10 minutes left or so. And guys, you can come and 
and transition this board too. Just even as I'm talking here, thank you so much. Let's all move really, really quickly, you guys. The third point, third final point here is to, what is it? So, 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 I mean, number one, as we talked about Abel, Abel, what, what is God looking for? He's looking for those who will worship him on his own terms, not our own. Number two, he's looking for those who will be a living, breathing contradiction to our current culture. And then finally, number, number three, what do we see in the life of Noah? He's looking for those who will obey instantly or who will quickly obey. Oh, don't tell me what God told you to do six months ago and you're still, well, I don't really know about, I don't know. No, you're in disobedience. You need to repent. You're in disobedience and you need to repent before the Lord and accept his grace and his kindness. Where disobedience abounds, grace abounds all the more because disobedience falls under sin. And sin is a nasty little thing, right? Sin will keep you out of the presence of God. Sin will keep you out of living in eternity with God. Sin will wreck your life. Sin will destroy you. Sin will bring unnecessary pain and disaster into your life. Sin will bring catastrophic sickness into your physical body. Listen, I'm not saying that everybody sick is sinful. Hear me well. But what I am saying is that sin will bring more sicknesses and calamity in your life. It's the nature of what sin does. That's why God wants to stay away from it. So you can't be a say I won't kind of person and be okay with sin in your life. It just doesn't work that way. Sin will rip you apart. But by the grace of God, I'd be dead today because of sin. Because of my sin. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Let's be real clear about that. To the third point, God wants us to quickly obey. So three, three questions here. Number one, how's your worship? Are you worshiping God on his own terms? Number two, how's your life compared to the world? Number three, how's your obedience? What was the last thing that God told you to do? And how did you respond? And have you responded in loving obedience to him, even if it's inconvenient? I just want you to think about that tonight, DSM. Think about those three things as we just kind of go into this closing worship song. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.